0: So, hey guys, welcome back to Accelerated Investor. And today I have a great episode and a great resource for all of you guys. My guest is a gentleman named Eli Sikor. He founded a website called landlordgurus.com. And there they provide expert advice and resources to independent landlords like him and his family and his business partner, Chris Lee. They manage their own portfolios for the better part of 20 years. I mean, they come from real estate investing families. They run it like a family office. They run it like a kind of a mom and pop type of shop. But what they've done is they've taken their journey and all the things that they've learned of being landlords for the last 20 years, and they've put it onto their main website, landlordgurus.com. Uh, over the last 20 years, they bought, they flipped, they fixed, they've held, mostly held their properties long term. And today, Chris and I are going to talk about, number one, the current status of the market and some of the challenges for landlords of trading one landlord property for another, uh, trading something with a low interest rate for a higher interest rate, trading something with a low interest rate, for a, interest rate uh, for a higher interest rate, doing a 1031 exchange. We're also going to talk about the challenge of being profitable with your rentals, specifically how to overcome recurring maintenance tickets, and lastly, how to select your tenants so they stay long-term. And these are some of the different topics that they write about and video about on their website at landlordgurus.com. So I'm excited to have Eli Secor from Landlord Gurus on our show today. Here we go. Hey Eli, welcome to the show. I'm excited to talk with you about your website, LandlordGurus.com. I'm excited to talk to you about some of the the do's and don'ts that you've seen managing buildings, but thanks for carving out a few minutes for us today and jumping on the show with us.
1: Absolutely, Josh. Uh, Pleasure to be here and thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm on your website now. There's all kinds of tools, landlord kits, courses, expert advice around managing properties, You guys have managed your own portfolios for over 20 years. And so one of the things I love to ask people, because I love to have the entrepreneurial perspective, when I talk to a guest and learn a little bit more about what they're up to today. So if you look at your passion projects for the summer, as we record this, it's around the 1st of June, what are you passionate for? What are you working on right now that you're excited about, that you're passionate for for the rest of
1: this year? This is still in the works, but I'm looking right now at a 1031 exchange that my first rental property is in Portland, Oregon. It's a triplex, and I bought it in very rough condition, rehabbed it, and have been operating it for almost 20 years now. And it's been a great property, but I'm looking for a couple of different things. My goals have changed a little bit. So I'm looking at 1031 exchange into a property up here in Washington where I am maybe something with a little bit of VRBO or Airbnb income and a little bit of personal benefit to a place I'd like to spend. So yeah, uh, I'm excited about that idea, but we still got to look at, this is a weird market to be selling and buying in. So I got to figure out, you know.
0: Yeah. When you say that, when you say it's a weird market that you're selling and buying in, like a lot of people are like, well, hey, well, if I sell, great, make a bunch of profit, do a 1031 exchange. But the challenge is, you're walking into probably an elevated price on your next purchase and higher interest rates, right? So are those the things that you're considering?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm trying to get a handle on how the value is in terms of where it had been, where it could be on the sale end. So it looks pretty good right now. I mean, especially having bought the property so long ago, we have quite a bit of equity. Mind you, we have to buy in the same market or at least, the, you know, the same time frame. We're going from a city, which, you know, is having we're, all cities on the West Coast, at least, are having issues with, you know, petty crime and and just kind of livability issues. So um, that's a factor in, in why I'm thinking about moving and how much has, has my value taken to hit because of those things? Do I, do I wait for things to turn around? And then I'm looking at buying a little bit more rural, kind of a vacation destination type area. So, those are different animals and I got to yeah. look at you know, what the what the situation is on both ends.
0: Are you ready to automate and explode your real estate investing? We're searching for extremely motivated individuals who are sick and tired of wasting time and want to finally see real results from their real estate investing business. We're searching for investors looking to get to the next level and become a bigger, better version of themselves while being a more successful real estate investing entrepreneur. Apply for mentoring and coaching at JoshKentwellCoaching.com forward slash podcast. That's joshcantwellcoaching.com forward slash podcast. And the affordability, I don't know if it's going to change much because we still have a major supply demand problem, right? There's just no supply. There's a lot of sellers who are in the exact same situation as you. And my friend, Darren Bloomquist is the VP of market economics at auction.com. And he comes on the show once a quarter Mm -hmm. And Darren and I talk a lot about the state of the market. And it's interesting, like now the last two months in a row, property values have gone up across the country. And there's nobody seeing this big crack in the market because a lot of sellers are just waiting this out because they don't want to trade from a, maybe they refied three years ago and they got a 3% interest rate. Now they sell, get a ton of equity out of it, but at the buy at an
1: elevated price, and now it's a 6% mortgage. Right. So people are just sitting around waiting. It, it feels like we haven't ever uh, we haven't come to that point where there's downward pressure on pricing for a long time now. And I think you're you're absolutely right. It's it's about insufficient supply for the, for the demand. Seattle is currently the fastest growing big city in the country. So even though there are some kind of hostile landlord tenant laws here, our properties function very nicely here. And I don't see that ha- that changing. You know we have to be careful about how we how we do things, but there's a lot of demand, and you know we try to be fair, offer a good a good product, and I don't see being in a bad situation anytime soon. Yeah.
0: So when you look at your portfolio, you've managed your own portfolio locally, you've managed your own portfolio virtually in other cities, like you said in Portland versus where you live. Well, you've kind of created this list, and some of this is on your website, LandlordGurus.com. Some of the do's and don'ts of owning properties, being a landlord. And what I love to hear is, okay, like a a lot of our audience is pivoting from owning five units to a hundred units, maybe 200 units of residential. And they want to manage that and have that kind of be taken care of for them so that they can move on to buying larger, larger, larger buildings, larger complexes, So when you and I were talking before the show, we talked about there's really two categories we think that there's the most leverage, the most ability to either really make your portfolio turn out a lot of profit or have your portfolio be overly expensive and actually lose money. You mentioned those two categories, Eli. So let's talk through those because I think what a lot of our audience is trying to do is really dial in. There are maybe uh, smaller units the residential portfolios so that they don't have to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. And make sure now they have the freedom and the free time to scale up into larger, larger buildings. You mentioned tenants, you mentioned maintenance. So let's talk about some of those do's and don'ts. Maybe let's talk about maintenance first, because that's one area that I'm always looking to improve in, because I'm an idiot when it comes to the cost of materials, the cost of labor, some of the different fixes that are out there. And I just went through a three-hour meeting with my team. I literally just got done with that meeting to jump on this podcast with you. And that's all we did was comb through our P&Ls and comb through 19 different p ls 19 different complexes, and looking at our expenses. So what are some of the things that you think move the lever when it comes to maintenance, when it
1: comes to managing that portfolio? This is not easy to do. But I think the number one thing uh, that makes a difference in my experience is to find a way to effectively triage maintenance requests capital improvements is is a, an entirely another another question but i primarily self manage for the last 2 years i've had a property manager in portland and my difficulty there is where i've got a lot of experience with being able to to figure out what might be the problem with a dishwasher or a garbage disposal or you know, any, you know, various things that are going on uh, are going on. I've got a lot of experience in construction. So, you know, I have an advantage there. That's one of my prime, prime advantages. So to find a way to upfront, figure out what's likely to be the best solution and maybe more importantly, the best vendor to use. So a good handy person, if you can't do it yourself, a good handy person, and it may even be worth pounding in the pavement in the market where you're owning, even with larger buildings, to find a resource that is really, you know, useful. Even if you have a property manager that you can kind of direct them, them to, they're probably going to appreciate it because their lives are, are hard finding vendors in this marketplace too. So somebody who can say, you know, either over the phone, given some photos. That's one of the things that our property management software does nicely is they allow. A tenant to upload a request and some photos or video of what's going on. You know, if I can get my eyeballs on something, I can usually figure something out. Maybe not call the appliance repair person. Maybe just say get a new dishwasher in there. You know, for, for as an example. But yeah, if you can get somebody who's reasonably priced and just good to work with, you know, who can go and take a look or you know think about things from a maintenance perspective, you yeah. keep yourself from wasting a lot of money because just sending a vendor often it's a waste of money.
0: Yeah. Do you think um so triaging those maintenance requests what you're talking about is kind of empowering your residents to submit a maintenance ticket, upload the photos, so you don't have to make a run out there. Yep. Look at those video and photo requests or video of a leak or some sort of break and then being able to decide like who do I want to triage this out to without having you having to go and so really encouraging your residents to onboard the software use the software and submit payments submit maintenance tickets online it really starts with that right
1: yeah absolutely and and my experience is that tenants are usually pretty helpful you know they're willing to send uh, send a photo <laughs> being responsive to tenants is incredibly important because they're willing to help you if you're responsive and that's their i keep a lot of tenants because they contact me i'm the place they go and they're not putting their their request into into the ether or into a machine that impersonal and 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 ineffective so yeah that's the that's the first is to ask them about what's going on you know tell me about what cycle you're running on the dishwasher or we're on appliances here there's lots of other things but tell me about what's going on take some pictures you know, send them to me. And then even if I can't figure it out, I, maybe I send it on to a handy person not to you know harp on it, but if I can find a handy person who can deal with, they can deal with most of the uh, repairs in a, in a rental and they're always going to be less expensive than a plumber or somebody who only does such and such a service and is going to charge you 150 bucks just to get there. So yeah, anyway, uh, trying to narrow down what's going on so you don't go overboard um, and spend a bunch of extra money. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So tenant communication is huge. Giving them some way to submit photos and some commentary on what the problem is, put down and then using a handyman uh, versus a specialist is probably all different ways to maintain those tenants keep
1: a higher occupancy also cut down on the time and effort right that you have to put into it. Oh, oh for sure that's what i am all about is to do a good job managing my my rentals uh, w- without keeping myself up at night or spending my entire life doing it i got other things i'm interested in, in doing so and but let me back up just a sec josh i do advocate um having a router a plumber and an electrician who you have a, have a an established relationship as well, because a lot of those things you don't want to take your risks, your chances on. You can damage your property. You can put tenants out of out of their units if you're not careful. Flooding and and fires are not good things. So if it you know if it calls for a professional, buy you know definitely use them. But you know if you're talking about clogging a sink you know trap or un- unclogging a sink trap or removing garbage disposals which I do as a matter of course a handy person can do that type of thing yeah absolutely
0: how about the other one you mentioned about tenants you know selecting the right tenants so we see this all the time in our apartment portfolio you know we have certain requirements they have to have like no felonies no evictions they have to have income that's at least three times the rent mm-hmm. stable job and reasonable credit over a 600 right so all these types of things but People still get evicted. People still move out. People still break leases all the time. Yeah. And we have a you know a pretty substantial portfolio. So we're dealing with move outs and evictions all the time. But the good news is, is that if we turn a unit and it's like a full turn, it's in really good condition. Mm. Somebody moves out, then it's just a make ready. We could, we could basically repaint the unit. Sometimes it doesn't even need painted. We can just touch it up. We can do a final clean and we release it right away. Mm-hmm. Right so having good tenants is huge. What kind of things do you recommend for screening tenants and bringing tenants in that kind of helps you keep
1: people long term? Yeah, you nailed a lot of it right there. So uh, being careful in selection is is imperative. Uh, it, it impacts every aspect of your profitability and the, and just the process of managing your property to, to get good tenants. So you know first and foremost, i I would say make sure to screen your tenants an amazing number of people i think do, just don't do it for that matter that they, they don't really use strong lease documents so i mean there's being a kind of a hobby landlord but you still have to be careful so the process you know, that i use is to advertise carefully you know have a descriptive kind of personal but targeted set of sales points what's the neighborhood like what are the amenities that you have got here you know, in my case, I say I'm a family-run building. People like do like that, and uh, take good photos, so that gets you as many leads a, as you can. Um, syndicate your advertisement uh, across as many sites as you can. We write about Avail and Tenant Cloud and Turbo Tenant, all kinds of property management softwares. And one beauty is that they syndicate your advertisement, uh, you know, across you know Zillow, PadMapper, and Zumper, and you know, get it, just get it out there. And deal with everybody as they come through in the same way. Always ask them pre-screening questions. You know, for me, it's do you smoke in any form? Do you have pets? Do you make you know the income threshold? I use two and a half, but and then I say after significant debts. It's just a uh, or you can use a debt to income ratio. And when do you want to move? Because that often I'll get down the road with somebody and then they'll say, Well, I want to move in August. So that's Narrows people down because they know kind of some things that you're looking for. And sometimes they don't take the trouble even to respond. And that narrows things down.
0: So, marketing to me is huge. Being on all the websites is huge. You know, I'm surprised by how many people are just reliant on apartments.com or Mm -hmm. Facebook Marketplace. Like, those are the only two things that they do. Mm -hmm. And people are finding units on all those other different websites that you mentioned. It's important to kind of syndicate those listings out and update them regularly. Facebook Marketplace does is a very powerful place to find residents. We find hundreds and hundreds of residents per year for our portfolio off of Facebook Marketplace for free. But the residents don't want to be surprised. They don't want to be surprised by seeing one set of photos online, and then they show up and see something different, right? That That'll get you some bad reviews and some bad reputations if you do that. So the photos online have
1: to match that unit for sure. Videos are great. I'm just starting to implement that. And di- different platforms allow you to do different things in, in terms of getting videos up on the listings, but at least you can put a link to a YouTube tour as well. And doing all these steps ahead of time, you know, getting people to know what they're looking at, setting expectations, some of the things that you, you mentioned about, you know, the criteria in Seattle, we're required to tell everybody what the criteria for acceptance is. But it, it's good practice too. Here's the income ratio. We need to be able to contact prior references. So that's something I feel really, really strongly about as well. Is you know, you get a people a, a feel for how people have dealt. Your your prospective tenants have dealt with other people, and if you, even if you don't get anything real concrete, you get a feel for it when you've contacted people that they've dealt with. So yeah, that and all these initial steps kind of narrow down so that you're only spending your time and these people are only spending their time where it's really going to be a fit. And they've seen what they're going to get. They know what you're looking for. And you show it either video or in person and saves a lot of time. Yeah,
0: I say marketing is sales in print or in video, right? There's a tremendous amount that people can see from their home. I think this is one of the good things of COVID is that people got used to Sharing videos, sharing marketing, looking at TikTok, looking at YouTube, looking at videos, getting things online, because they wanted the interaction to be minimal, right? Mm-hmm. The face-to-face interaction be minimal. Um, and people were still moving in and out of apartments all the time in COVID. I mean, sometimes they were actually being taken out in body bags. That actually happened to us many times. But other times it was they actually were moving in and moving out, and you wanted to keep the contact to an absolute minimum. And so today now people are used to that. They're used to that kind of interaction. So TikTok videos, YouTube videos, kind of sizzle reels, pictures, you can sell a unit pretty fast that way. So when somebody does show up, they're already predisposed, predispositioned and kind of ready to lease the unit. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they just want to show up one time to check the box that the unit's real so they can actually schedule the move, right? You can do so much of this stuff online, especially if you're doing it virtually. So amazing, amazing stuff, Eli. So tell us a little bit more about LandlordGurus.com. You guys have this uh, site together. There's a lot of content on it from landlord courses to the Ultimate Landlord Toolkit, expert advice around the best online uh, rental payment services, how to advertise your property the right way, how to screen tenants, a lot of stuff on this website. So when people go, what are they going to find?
1: Yeah, so LandlordGurus.com is a partnership between a longtime friend of mine, Chris, and myself. And, and we have another partner who does technology for us. And Chris and I are in a very similar situation. We have kind of small portfolios of, of, of family-owned property and we just ended up asking each other about how we were dealing with, with different situations on, on the ground, the reality. So we decided we'd put together uh, LandlordGurus.com to share our experience, to research things that we thought we could do better, uh, to find tools. A lot of what we do is is to write about property management software products, which do a full range of, of some of them incorporate options to have maintenance dispatch and even lease up services, sometimes virtual touring. But what it does that's different from traditional property management service is it gives you visibility into what's going on. You know, you can see, you can pick and choose what you want to do and you can see what's going on. So anyway, we we write about these type of services. We write about topical subjects like pets and rentals. You know, can you make more money you're putting uh, pets in rentals? Here are the rules about service and emotional support animals. We write about maintenance. So we really just try to add value to talk to our uh, the audience of independent landlords um, and help them do their job more profitably and more easily. And we just continue to try to address the subjects that come up and, and you know, provide good insight.
0: Yeah, I love it. I mean, wealth building happens by buying real estate and waiting, waiting and waiting and waiting until your loan is paid down and the property appreciates. But along the way, there's inevitably some things that pop up. So thanks for putting this website together. This is fantastic stuff, Eli. Uh, My audience, go to LandlordGurus.com to grab some of their landlord toolkits and read some of their different articles. You can opt in on their website to be notified of new articles and tips and advice, from Chris and from his team and from Eli. Um, So listen, Eli, thanks for carving out a few minutes for us on Accelerated Investor today.
1: My pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having me.
0: So hey guys, there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Check out landlorddurus.com. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, like, rate, review, and we'll see you on the next episode of Accelerated Investor. You were just listening to the Accelerated Investor Podcast with Josh Cantwell. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something new, help us build the AI community by leaving a review and five-star rating on our iTunes podcast channel. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss another episode. To see passive investing opportunities, visit freelandventures.com slash passive. To start your journey toward the lifestyle you've always dreamed of with multifamily apartments, apply for one-on-one coaching with Josh at www.joshcantwellcoaching.com.